Moto America fans, it's time for another episode of Off Track with Carruthers and Bice. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you may even learn something from this unlikely pair and their special guest. The mic is yours, Paul and Sean. Hello, Moto America fans. This is Paul Carruthers, and this is our weekly podcast, Off Track with Carruthers and Bice. I'm joined, as always, by Sean Vice. He's out in Ohio. I'm in Southern California. Our guest is actually in Washington State. We'll talk to him in a few minutes. Sean, it was a pretty cool week for us. It's uh, we got the schedule out, which is everybody everybody likes to see that schedule. I know I like to uh, to to sort of feel like I could plan my life a little bit uh, during the summer or spring and summer. Uh, overall, I think you know. I, you know, there's always people that are going to have some issues with stuff, and, and and that's that's always the case, and especially now that we have the good old internet to remind us when people aren't happy. But uh, how are you overall today? Yeah, I'm good, but you're right, Paul. I mean, it's, it, this is the, the environment and the landscape in which we live now. Everybody has an opinion and is able to kind of express it. You know, I think about back in the day when AMA would put out a, a schedule or something, and I'm sure there were people that, you know, wondered about certain things, but that, you know, you never heard too much about it, but I mean, it was cool. We, we knew a little bit about what, we, what was going to be happening, of course. And then, and then we did shortly before it came out. I know what you do in the press, the press release on it. Um, I just, I mean, I was so excited and I'm very excited now um, because it's so different than we've ever done before. It's got so many nuances in it that I just think are so cool. And there's some great reasons for why things are being done, but you know, it's like, I'm not saying that our schedule was ever monotonous or anything, but now it's like, oh, well, these guys are going to be here and they're going to be doing this. Um, so, you know, it'll help us. I think even from a, from a, probably a PR point of view, when, you know, you do the previews for it or something, it's like, well, here's what, what's happening at this round. I'm just really excited about the fact that it's, it's quite different, very different than we've ever had. So I'm, it's going to be great. Yeah, I mean, sometimes change is tough for people, but I kind of, I, I like it. I mean, I, I like to think, oh, you know, I don't know how this is going to be, but it's kind of cool going into some of these places with a little bit of unknown, you know, and uh, exactly. I think it's going to be cool. But I, you know, fortunately today we have, we have Chuck Axland with us as our guest and he's the COO of Moto America and one of four partners. And Chuck's really he's the guy that puts this schedule together. He has to negotiate with all the tracks. He has to get the dates. And, you know, it's, a, it's hard to take, it's hard to not take it personally sometimes when people do have a little, you know, a problem with something that we're doing and, and, that, and that's just human nature. But th I think it's important for, for people that, to know that like, there's not, there's not two hats and there's not, we don't throw a bunch of dates in one hat and a bunch of racetracks in the other and pull dates and pull tracks out and match them together and go, that's when we're going to be there. We're not the only racing sanctioning, uh, racing body in the country that, that relies on these same, and it's not a very big group of tracks. So everybody's trying to make their schedules as well, including the tracks, they have track days, they have different events. So it's, it's a difficult process. And it's, I think it's important for us, and I'm happy to have Chuck on the show today because he can actually tell us like what is involved in that because it's probably more than even you and I know. So let's uh, yeah. let's bring Chuck in and Chuck. First of all, welcome and and thanks for joining us. And yeah, let's start off with like how how the schedule comes about and and talk about some of the things that that make things difficult, and then we'll just we'll get into uh, to different aspects of, of of what we've got going for next year. 
Well, first off, thanks for having me on, guys. It's um, you know, you know, for me, and we've worked together long enough. You know, getting a schedule out early is one of my top priorities. And unfortunately, this year seemed to be the latest <laughs> I think that we've ever you know, uh, released it, but that was due to some circumstances that, you know, ultimately end up beyond our control. Um, you know, it kind of kicked off with, with not being able to get a date at VIR and then, you know, having the standalone race at Circuit of the Americas. The agreement with Circuit of the Americas took a little longer than anticipated. And they had a, had a little race in between called Formula One, which uh, kind of disrupted their program. But uh, we got it all together and, and finally got it announced. And um, yeah, it's got a, got a few uh, changes to it, but happy to, happy to go over that with you guys. Well, let's start with VIR. I think of, of the complaints that we did get yesterday, and uh, I haven't looked this morning yet, but the, the, there's a lot of people that, that aren't happy that we aren't going to VIR. And like everything in life, there's always a why behind a decision. So let's tell everybody, you know, exactly like what, why, why was VIR not on the schedule? Well, ultimately it come down to the dates, you know, we've traditionally had our May date and um, they, they had some complications with another event called uh, that, that, that is their event called Hyperfest. And so they decided to put the Hyperfest on our date, our traditional date. And they offered us a mother's day weekend which uh, we've tried that before out there. And, uh, you know, attendance was very low. I think Father's Day, you know, sons and, and, and dads like to go to the races, but Mother's Day is a different story. Um, obviously families like to, to hang out at home with their mom. And, and so that date, you know, wouldn't work for us. You know, we, know going, we knew if we tried that, it wouldn't be very well attended. And basically it would be, uh, you know, it would be a hardship financially. So that really started the process with VIR. We like going to VIR. Uh, Connie and Kerrigan are, are great people, consider them friends, but, you know, it's one of the complications of the schedule. First is what dates are available with racetracks. And so that sort of set the tone for, you know, putting the rest of it into motion. Yeah. And, and Chuck, on that subject, I mean, it's funny how people speculate. I mean, I think just because I, I won't mention who the rider was, but we all know that one rider was kind of not happy after that one round last year. And so the speculation was everything from, well, we're not going back there because of him, because of what he said, or we're not going back there because the track didn't like what he said. So it had nothing to do with that at all, did it? No, not really. And I, you know, I, I read a lot of the comments and so forth too. And I don't know if all the people that are disappointed that they're not going to VIR actually came to VIR to start with, you know, I'd like to think a good majority of them did, but um, yeah, you know, Danello's, um, you know, issue at VR, VIR had nothing to do with it, um, the decision. And I don't think, um, you know, in my conversations with Kerrigan, who, who runs, uh, who runs VIR, he's very supportive of Moto America and motorcycle racing um and so you know i've heard stories that you know they're they're they don't like bikes but i've never got that vibe from them it just came down to a conflict of dates yeah that's that's the clear factor there is it just the date that we had we didn't have anymore um yeah, yeah i want to ask i want to ask you in general about a little bit about the process because one of the things I always remember this with MotoGP, and especially it seems like when it's with regard to Indy, when they were going there, I, I know that when they would have a round, 
and it probably happens at Cody too, and I can't just remember exactly, but when MotoGP has a round in the U.S., it seems like at that round, they there's some kind of PR that's put out about whether the, they're going to come back and race there next year. And I'm not saying that we should do that with our track, but what I'm asking is in the process, does the plan for the next year's schedule, did it, does the discussion start? When we're at each of the rounds about the following year, is that is that as er, as early as it does kind of get talked about? Well, I think you know we're entering our ninth season, and we we try and keep as much date equity as possible. So you know that's been fixed at the majority of the of the tracks that we go to. Um, obviously, this year there's been a bit of flip flopping um, that had to happen with the, with the schedule. I wouldn't say it's so much at the event, especially in the beginning process really starts around June, you know, May, June, where I start contacting the tracks and getting a feel for what dates could be available or are we able to, you know, keep the date that we're on, you know, just kind of solidify that our intention would be to come back and uh, make sure they're looking out for us in, in, in that respect. So, you know, really it all, it all starts with, you know, the dates, what's available. And we also take into consideration, you know, the travel, you know, logistics of everything. You know, this year, for instance, you know, we finish up, uh, we go Pittsburgh, Texas, New Jersey. Ideally, you know, my goal was to finish up in 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 uh, Texas, but because of the, the date and what they have going on after, um, it just didn't work out. So you could put an ultimate, you know, uh, you know, pie in the sky, you know, dream schedule together. But a lot of times you're at the mercy of every, you know, other outside parties. So Chuck, when the when the VIR thing went away, is that what ultimately led to the switch with uh, Jersey and Barber as far as who was going to be earlier in the season, who was going to be late? Uh, yeah, exactly. That was the first uh, first issue to deal with was you know how do you fill that spot in May? Um, you know we reached out to to uh, Barber Motorsports Park, and uh, they had a date open, which is May nineteenth to twenty first. They actually thought that that would be a better time with us, um, you know, weather-wise. They thought, you know, it might suit better. There's no conflicts with football, college football, which obviously is a, you know, huge ordeal around Birmingham area that time, of, you know, in the later part of the year. Um, and also their big vintage uh, Motofest or whatever you call it, you know, is, is within a few weeks of our traditional September date. So, all in all, I thought that this probably would be a benefit uh, having having the Barber event in, in May. Well, and based on the weather we've had there later in the year, it's not like we could <laughs> ever, I mean, we could never do worse, right? So exactly, exactly, right. And then, and then obviously, and then, then obviously it was, you know, how do you feel that at the back end? And, um, right. You know, our events are, are, have grown tremendously over the last couple uh, of years. And, um, you know, I think it's it's starting to warrant uh, bigger facilities. And, you know, going to the Circuit of the Americas has always been a goal of mine to have a standalone race there. Um, you know, and that uh, September September time is is not so bad in, in Texas, a little bit warm sometimes, but it's good, generally good weather. And uh, so doing the flip with, uh, you know, Circuit of the Americas and Barber uh, seemed appropriate. Now, as far as, as CODA goes, I kind of think that's, I, I like, don't get me wrong. I loved being with MotoGP. The atmosphere is incredible. You get to see a bunch of people that you haven't seen in a while because like, like you, I mean, I was involved in that, that's that championship as well. And 
but but I do think it's cool that like before we you know way back our super sport guys used to race there as well but it's always been mostly it's just a super bike event for us and it doesn't give our other guys a chance to race on what is really a cool track and a cool atmosphere and a cool city is that I mean are you kind of looking at it that way too I think it's cool I, I think there's going to be guys that are really going to ha be happy to get the chance to race there that they wouldn't ordinarily get the chance to in past years yeah, I would agree with that, Paul, in part, you know, the, the, the track is a pretty awesome, you know, racetrack. It's one of the best in the United States. Uh, the facility is, is um, you know, most of us have been there, it's, you know, and seen it. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, being able to showcase other classes there will, will draw people. I mean, there's a huge, you know, huge area, you know, of Dallas and Houston and Austin, obviously, and uh, with Richie Escalante and some of our South American riders, you know, drawing fans from Mexico um, is not out of the question. So I think we have a shot to provide a lot of entertainment uh, through our racing at, uh, at a great facility. And, and you, know, there's, um, you know, there's people to draw from in that area. So I think, um, you know, I think it's going to be a win-win. So let's, let's stay on the subject of, of uh, Circuit of the Americas right now, Chuck. So when we go there for our standalone, obviously, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to, we are always treated well when we're there with MotoGP. I mean, we have our own paddock off to the side, which is terrific. But obviously, when we go there for a standalone, we're going to have access to the garages. We're not going to have issues going in and out of the media center. Not that we did, but we always had to be scanned in or out for riders or something like that. It's going to be our event. We're going to have full access to those facilities that are normally a little bit tougher to get to with MotoGP. Is that correct? Uh, no, that's exactly right. You know, it's, it's, it's our event. It'll be our classes there. You know, some of the areas because they will be starting to build out for Formula One will be, you know, there'll, there'll be designated areas that our fans will be able to attend to, but um, uh, I think it'll be appropriate for, you know, for the space and, and the crowd that we'll have, obviously, you know, we've, we got an arrangement to have camping and, and I think, uh, you know, I think, uh, again, bringing our paddock, it'll just be our paddock there. Um, be a lot different than the MotoGP experience for sure. They won't be running back and forth with their easy ups. No, exactly. <laughs> right. They'll be able to keep well, their right. easy ups on pit lane. <laughs> That's right. And, and the cool thing, I mean, there's nothing like having those garages there, man, when you, you know, you go right out of that garage and you're right there, you know, next to start finishing, you know, the turn one is up, up on the hill and it's just fantastic to have that experience right from the garages. So that's going to be cool. That that's going to be an awesome situation. I mean, especially like you said, I mean, we're going to have, we're going to have baggers there. We're going to have super sport there. Um, it's going to be cool to see some different motorcycles go around that track than what we've, we've had before. So um it'll be really enjoyable the other question i want to ask you about about uh, circuit of the americas chuck and i haven't asked you this ahead of time so um you i'm sure you saw the same thing i did there was a, a quote uh during formula one saying gee they wish they had motorcycles during that event and i got to thinking to myself and i'm not talking about well let me tell you what my thought was i was thinking wouldn't that be cool to do like a like a one-off race i know it's a little bit after our season but if we did like some kind of one-off invitational or something, did you see that article and did you consider any of that or anything for the future? Maybe that we could, we could go there and be part of the formula one show. 
Well, I did see the article from, uh, I think, Bobby Epstein, uh, the CEO yeah. of the circuit, was quoted in Autosport that, um, you know, about having a motorcycle race as a support event for the Formula One race. And, you know, that what that stemmed from was an inquiry that they did have about, um, you know, having having uh, having a support race from us. And really, it, it came from one of the other uh, support races that was scheduled for the Formula One weekend. I think it's called Formula W. It's a women's uh, open wheel series at the last minute kind of backed out. So uh, I'd been in negotiation with, with CODA for our standalone event. And then the question came up about what about bringing one of your classes to Formula One, which, uh, you know, I said we could make it happen. And um and then they what, what the process was, they ended up going back and, you know, it was like it was a week and a half or two weeks out. And, you know, basically for the timing schedules for Formula One and all that, it didn't pan out. But certainly there was an inquiry there, inquiry there. And um, I think anytime we can get in front of a crowd of, you know, 400,000 plus, we need to definitely grab that opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> I, I second that. <laughs> okay, apart apart from the schedule, which which we've covered, and if we think of anything else, we can come back to it. But one of the other changes that that I think drew a lot of interest, and it's 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 it kind of stood out to me a little bit as well, and that's the fact that we're going to have two super sport rounds in addition to Daytona, which is which is which is a separate entity entirely. But we're going to have two super sport races that will feature pit stops, and. I think that's kind of cool. I mean, it's it that's that's the kind of thing that I think every once in a while we need to shake it up a little bit and do something like that and see if it works or see if it doesn't. What how did that come about, Chuck? You know, I think it really started with Daytona. You know, last year we did Daytona for the first time. Um, to me, having the team involved in part of the race through the pit stop process is uh, just another area that of interest you know it, it um there's a lot of things that could happen a lot of things that could go right a lot of things that could go wrong it's just you know to me it was intriguing that the 200 was a cool event and you know so that was part of the consideration you know a lot of the super sport teams have the equipment already um which is why we picked the super sport class to do this in um also if you remember during the season we, i mean we have a lot of our competitors throughout different classes that do participate in endurance races. I mean, actually, you know, Danello and Josh Heron, you know, did an endurance race at, at Pitt Race. Um, so, you know, we decided uh, let's let's give it a try. We talked to a lot of teams about it. Um, you know, 99% of them thought it was a cool idea to, to, to try. And, um, you know, will it bring more entertainment value? We'll see. Um, some, something different. We're not afraid to try different things, but, um, so, yeah, you know, to make a little bit longer television program, uh, you know, for teams that don't always have the opportunity to get on TV, you know, there's there's always that opportunity to, to follow down pit lane and, and uh, you know, see how well they, they accomplished their pit stop. So, you know, we'll see how it works out. Uh, there's a lot of excitement about it uh, from the tire companies to, you know, like I said, teams and, and, and our staff. So, uh, yeah, let's we thought, let's give it a go. You know, Chuck, while we're on this super sports subject, this is this is a, was a big one for me. When I saw this, I was like, wow, that's that's pretty cool. Because, I mean, I, I used to love when they had endurance GTU and GTO back in the day and, and AMA and um, a lot of the guys were racing that. And that's that's an excellent point um, that you said, since these guys do compete in other series that have endurance, it's a great chance for us to be able to do it. So 
I got a few questions about this super sport thing and, and particularly at the pit stop thing. So, okay. Do you know yet how many, I mean, I guess we don't have to get super specific, but uh, it's going to be, let's see, it's going to be at Barber and it's going to be at Laguna Seca. So at those two rounds, it's going to be one race. Is it, is it literally a double distance race from what a normal super sport sprint race is at those tracks? No, the plan is to make it just long enough that would warrant a tire change and a little bit of fuel. So, you know, to make the pit stop legitimate, uh, we're, we're thinking it'll probably be about a 50 minute race where now the, the super sport sprint races are about 26. So just be a little bit, a little bit longer. Okay. Do you have any, well, would it be like a situation where you run it for an amount of time and then two laps after that, or do you, would you actually be a number, the exact number of laps? There'll be a number of laps determined. Okay. Okay. And then, um, I actually asked you this a couple of weeks ago, um, so obviously pit stops, it's going to be exactly like pit stops at Daytona in that uh, the bike can have dry brakes. The bike, there will be quick change equipment and quick fill cans, whatever is needed. Um, is that correct for those two yeah. rounds? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so here's what you and I talked about the other day, Chuck. Shout out to any of these super sport riders that didn't race at Daytona and think, well, I'll just do the sprint races the rest of the year. I'm, I'm talking about, well, I'm going to mention Benjamin Smith. Hey, Benjamin, in your team, you may want to race at Daytona so you can get a, a pit stop under your belt. So when those other two come later in the year, um, they're going to want to do it. I mean, this is this I would encourage the entire field to probably go to Daytona and not consider it a, a one-off race, right, Chuck? Well, yeah, I guess if you're serious about the championship, you certainly want to uh, give it a dry run. You know, Daytona is the perfect place to do that. Um, if they choose not to do that, uh, I would hope that they'd be practicing in their, you know, at their shops. Yeah, and the thing is, too, I mean, if, if you pay for that equipment, you might as well use it three times. Yeah, exactly. But like I said in the beginning, you know, to me, the you know, involving the team in the pit stop, you know, uh, you know, we saw a couple of teams at the Daytona 200 where things kind of went pear-shaped during the pit stop. And you could just kind of feel the tension and the pressure that these guys have to execute, you know, a tire change and, and a gas stop, you know, it's, uh, it's just a whole different element. And I think it'll be intriguing. I think it'll be uh, interesting, um, you know, maybe, maybe bring some new, new interest to the, to the class. Okay, so Chuck, here's my here's my big question for this podcast. This is the toughest question I'm going to ask. Be scared, you Chuck. Be scared. No, no boy, no. shaking. <laughs> it's not I'm that scared bad. for you. I don't know if I'm shaking because of Paul's question or Sean's question, or because I'm up in Washington State, which I'm unfamiliar with, and it's not very warm. <laughs> well, let's say it's that because I don't strike fear in anybody's heart. Okay, so. Last year, I totally got the fact that we had Daytona for the first time. Daytona was a standalone. Um, and by standalone, I mean standalone, not unlike Circuit of the Americas. It didn't count towards the Super Sport Championship. Now that we have two rounds that have pit stops in it, you know where I'm going with this. Why is Daytona not part of the, the championship this year? Well, I think we, you know, when we made the decision to take on Daytona, it, you know, it traditionally back when uh, Paul and I used to go, it was the biggest, you know, preseason race for internationally. Right. And so, you know, along with the change of the super sport uh, rules, um, I think the opportunity is there to kind of bring that mystique and prestige back to it. And, um, um, 
you know, part of that is, is just a full on competition. You know, you, there you got the pit stops, but also it's an opportunity for the tire companies to, to, you know, go to war with each other, you know, yeah. like that, like they did back in the old days. So um, obviously we wouldn't have done that without consulting Dunlop, you know, Dunlop welcomed the challenge and, and, you know, last year it was a real battle, you know, between the tire companies. So I think it's the one opportunity to continue um, to put pressure on the tire companies to, to push their product a little bit further. And uh, again, along with the pit stops and the, the extended uh, distance, it's just another, just another element of competition to it. Yeah. And I mean, to your point, Chuck, um, that's a 200 mile race. I assume neither of these, the race at Barber, the race at Laguna are not going to be 200 mile races, obviously, correct? They're not going to be 200 miles, but obviously, you know, uh, we have a great partner with Dunlop Tires as the official, you know, sponsor, supplier of the Moto America Championship Series. And and having the Daytona 200 outside of the cha actual championship allows for that open competition. Okay. And, you know, it's funny. I just want to make this one more comment before I turn, before Paul asks another question. And we got through that one, Chuck. That wasn't so bad. Um, but... Uh, I know for a fact, before we took over the series, man, they used to talk about, and I'm probably back when, when, uh, you know, Kenny raced, I mean, they always acted like that Daytona was an anomaly on the season anyway. I mean, they would always go, well, we got through Daytona. It's a different thing because it was obviously a different thing, but it still makes sense that it's kind of a special sort of one-off thing to the rest of the season. So that's just my follow-up comment to that whole thing. So anyway, go ahead, Paul. All right. I, I hate to, well, I hate to say circle back because it's a stupid phrase, but I'm going to say it anyways. But I need to circle back to the schedule because as difficult as it is to pick the tracks, the dates, to get all that to work, what also amazes me is, and I need you to tell us how that works, but there's, there's we have eight classes, I guess, at, at some point, all racing throughout the year at different events, blah, blah, blah. How, how did... At, that was some big changes there that that people have either complained about or latched onto. But how does that work too? Is like deciding like you know where the baggers are going to race, where where's stock one thousand going to race, how many junior cup races they're going to be. Tell I know there's something that there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes with that. If you could explain how 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 you come to those schedules as well. Well, I guess the the you know first first point of of uh, drafting it the way that we did, you know we we have kind of a good problem. We have eight classes and and all of them are very popular. You know they're popular with participants and they're popular with fans. But you know we get comments year to year about hey we drive all the way out to Laguna Seca and we only get to race once. You know or we're driving all the way to New Jersey and we race once. So what we tried to do and I think it's extremely important, especially with the economic, you know, the, the economic situation that we're in now with fuel prices and expenses, you know, expenses are going up for everybody. Um, I don't know how much they'll go down by the time we start racing next year, but we took, you know, that cost consideration into the, into the schedule as well. So, you know, we tried to keep as many classes having similar amount of races, you know, stock thousand, you know, yeah, they're only going to, five uh five venues but they're racing two times you know last year they went to nine venues and they only raced uh once six times or something like that so um you know part of the economics played into it uh, to, to help the teams um, we tried to keep the amount of actual races similar 
Um, you know, there's a few that, uh, you know, gained a race or two and, and some that were effective in, in different ways. I think namely the junior cup, you know, junior cup went from 18 races last year and they're going to have 12 at six events. Um, but what we thought might help, you know, bolster participation in the class is, is, and again, to this, this goes along the line of, uh, trying to help teams save money is to have them on, you know, just race on the East coast rounds. Um, you know, not make the trip out. If they junior cup teams had to make the trip out, you know, west for one event or, or whatever, it's you know, it's significantly expensive to to do that. And we looked through the entry list last year. We only had one or two teams that were West Coast, you know, teams or riders. And um, so that that was part of the decision decision there. So Chuck, you touched on stock one thousand, and that that was a class in an area where I had big questions. Um, so I'm going to ask you some stuff about that one. Your point is well taken that there are five rounds uh, that they're going to, but they're racing two races at each round. So they've got 10 races. So I can't figure out, and this is why I'm glad you're on. You can explain this to us. How is it going to work for Superbike Cup? Is Superbike Cup only available at those five rounds? And can Stock 1000 riders race at these rounds that only have super bike can they enter their stock 1000 bike um like like they could well this year and and if they do that does does that count towards super bike cup or is super bike cup only going to be available at the five rounds at which they're racing their own races well the 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 super bike cup is is definitely popular and it's a good um you know it's a it's a good way to to help encourage stock thousand teams to participate in Superbike, and um, you know we have the support of Dunlop on the tire side to support that. You know we have a prize fund at the end of the year that that supports that. We've had a lot of teams participate in that, and I think it's helped to 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 build and build interest in teams going direct. You know going full time Superbike and riders riding full time Superbike. To answer the, the the question of how that's going to work this year, Sean, our, our our process really was let's get the schedule out, let's get let's let everybody understand who's racing where, and right now uh, Nicole Nicole is uh, preparing a survey with two or three different options that's going to be probably sent out in the next day or two to to uh, you know the the participants and. We're going to get some feedback from them. Do they just want to have the Superbike Cup run at, you know, in conjunction with Stock Thousand races? Do they want it to run in conjunction, you know, with non-Stock Thousand events? Um, so we're, we're going to get some feedback and then decide that. Hopefully we'll have that, um, you know, that uh, out in the next week or so. Okay, so that's really cool, actually. That was a question I had, and I was like, oh, man, I don't know how this is going to work. I can't fit it in my head. So it's still to be determined. Okay, that, that makes still, a lot of still sense. Still to be determined, but I think, you know, in, you know, in taking the stock thousand uh, number of events down to five, you know, the, the, the riders that qualify for a superbike license, obviously that's the fallback. If they want to race at the Ridge and Laguna Seca, they can enter the, the superbike class. So they do have the opportunity to, you know, still compete on the weekends. There are not stock thousand races. Okay, that's great, Chuck, because that has been some of the comments. Some of them been like, well, man, it's only five rounds. Well, it's 10 races, and it's also you're not precluded, or you're not, I shouldn't say precluded, that's not the right word. You're not excluded from racing in Superbike. You can do that. So, um, and you guys are going to figure out how that's going to go with the cup and all that kind of stuff. So, that's really cool. 
Um, and the other, the other one that I think is awesome is the way Twins Cup is going to work. I, it was tough. We all know this, and you touched on it in the beginning when we had one Twins Cup round at uh, race, I should say, not round at like Laguna Seca at Ridge. Um, well, now they're going, they're going to seven rounds, and they're having two races at each round. So I think that's terrific for those guys. I, I've, uh, I've already talked to some of the teams and the teams are really excited about that because if they're going to do that travel, you know, they want to get a couple races in there. They're, they're all kind of spoiled. It's not like the old days when these, when teams would go out and race one race on a weekend, they, they want to get their two races in for the money of driving. And you mentioned the thing about the economy and all that. So I think it's a huge win-win for twins. Um, and I think it is for all these classes too. Junior cups, interesting for me. That one I want to touch on real quick and ask you, are we seeing some kind of an, evolution in, in junior cup um we haven't had that we still have good entries good amount of entries we haven't had the crazy amount of entries we didn't last year i don't know what it's going to look like this year maybe it was just a low a lot of the guys went up to twins cup who are racing in junior cup um i guess we don't really have any way of knowing unless you do chuck um what junior cup is going to look like this year yeah, I don't, I don't know until we open entries and, and, uh, start getting people, you know, signed up. It's, it's hard for us to tell. Um, you know, I think last year on average, we had 18 to 20 junior cup riders. Um, and it sounds like, you know, there's a good amount of those that are going to be moving on, which is, which is great. You know, the junior cup is a good starting point. And I think the, the way that we have the whole system built out, uh, with ages and eligibility going from junior cup to twins cup, you know, the super sport, you know, the whole thing kind of works, you know, it has, it has looked like it's worked over the last five, six years or so. So yeah, that's the, uh, you know, is, is, is the expense of junior cup traveling around the country part of, you know, why there's only 20 riders. Um, you know, this is part of the exercise with, you know, keeping them more regional, I guess, you know, maybe we'll get more participation of the, 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 the parents and the kids, that want to want to race in this think they have a legitimate shot at a at a championship and they don't have to travel all over the country to, to try and achieve that so so we'll see um you know i know on the fim side the world championship side there's a lot of discussion about future of junior cup and and you know where it's going and um so i think i don't know i think i think um next year it's going to be a telltale year to see where it goes um there's other other opportunities for, you know, young, young participants, like with the, 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 the talent cup, for instance, um, if you look around the world, there's a lot of one make series. So I don't know, I think we're, you know, I think uh, the junior cup deserves one more year in its current configuration. And then, you know, we'll, we'll take a look for the future. And I also think it's kind of cool to see like this year is going to be the perfect example of that. I think you're going to have the top three or four from that class move up to, to twins cup. And then if you're, you know, if you're a kid, suddenly, I, I mean, our whole podium will be different, you know, so it's, it's, I think it'd be exciting to be a kid now moving into that class because you'd like, okay, the good, the really good guys have moved on. I've got an opportunity to actually be champion or, or close to it. So I think that's kind of cool. What I want to, I, I really like the three superbike, the races that have three, three superbike races. Is, is that is that is that a difficult sell with the teams or is that something that's pretty easy because the expense is already there so they having an extra race isn't the end of the world well paul i mean if you guys remember we've it's not our first time of doing that you know right. back in covid years we, we tried it before we, we didn't really ever get any complaints um uh, i think 
you know, if, if you ask teams and racers, they'd rather race than practice, you know, ultimately, um, uh, you know, they get paid, uh, you know, the, the extra purse and it's, it saves them the expense of going to an extra round to achieve that. So again, you know, that was part of the reasoning behind, um, foregoing the MotoGP race, um, you know, with the super bikes, um, part of it was expense towards the teams and part of it was expense towards us and putting those resources in a different place to, to build, you know, the, the standalone race. So I don't, I think it's a, the, the three races on a super bike weekend, obviously world Superbike do it. You know, our races are a little bit different because there'll be three full length races, but it's, um, you know, it's another bonus for the fans that attend those rounds. Um, yeah. That's a lot going on for those, for people that are showing up and I mean, getting to see three Superbike races in one weekend is pretty damn cool. Yeah, for sure. Now, or, earlier in the year, we, you know, it, it was no secret and you were totally fine with it. Moto America's totally fine with it, but some owners got together, Superbike team owners got together and they started to have discussions about how things, how they would like to see things or what things they would like to see change, et cetera, which I think is a wonderful idea because what it allows them to come to you and to Moto America with one voice instead of six or seven people telling you different things is, do you, I know you embrace that. Is that something that you're, you're, I mean, you're happy that that's happening, right? I mean, it's, it, it helps us. It, it, it does help us. It doesn't stop, you know, the process that Wayne and, and myself and Nicole, you know, we and Teague, you know, we still talk to a lot of the a lot of teams. But I think for for us, it's a it's a valuable resource that the teams are talking to each other. They're getting to know each other better. They're trying to get to know, understand the goals that each 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 team has, you know, because um, obviously those are a, a lot different at times. But you know, what they offer to us is, is, you know, they collectively meet, you know, at every race, every other race, and they, they give us some feedback from those, those meetings, you know, and some of the ideas they come up with, well, we agree with, uh, some we don't. And, uh, you know, to date, there haven't been any demands, there's just been suggestions. And I think, um, you know, when, when it's a group together like that, and they have a consensus, then, then, um, you know, it's, it's uh, definitely something that we should consider, you know, as, as smart as we all think we are sometimes we don't have all the answers and it's good to get the feedback from uh from from an outside group sean and i have all the answers but you know (laughs) well i know you normally do paul sean keeps them to himself normally (laughs) (laughs) you know speaking of all the answers uh, chuck you surprised me early on when you mentioned about that the plan was for us to end up at coda because when the schedule came out and I saw it and I looked at New Jersey being the final round, it's funny. I immediately thought, and I'm going to give some people, uh, the fans and listeners, a little insight on this. I immediately thought of our CFO, Richard Varner, because he was absolutely delighted with New Jersey this year. We had great attendance and he said, it's a growth area for us. And I'm thinking, oh, sure, we want to have the crescendo at New Jersey. So, um, and I think it's still going to be that. There's no doubt about it. It just surprised me when you said that you were wanting to finish up at, at Coda or Circuit of the Americas. And I understand that. But talking about New Jersey, I, I really love the fact that we are wrapping up bat- baggers at that New Jersey round. So we're going to have the way it looks like and the way the, our, our classes go. A lot of it's going to be decided at that last round, which is, of course, what we want to see. So um, I'm, I'm pretty delighted to have New Jersey on the schedule. Did it, did it work out? I mean, like you said about Coda or Coda being the last one, but not so bad to end up at New Jersey, I'm sure. Uh, it's not, I mean, it's not a bad thing, you know, but 
logistically, you know, going from Pennsylvania to Texas to New Jersey, you know, it's adds a little bit more expense on the logistics side, probably for most most teams. Um, to me, New Jersey, September 11th weekend, which is our traditional date, you know, I think that adds a bit of, uh, um, you know, a bit of atmosphere. It's a special time, you know, especially at that that track. We'd normally try and do something to, um, you know, to to, to honor the 9/11. Um, situation. So uh, I think we'd like to move back to New Jersey being on that weekend and, um, you know, eventually get, you know, code as the final one. But I think overall, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the, the spread of the dates and the, the, the schedule overall. And, and uh, you know, there wasn't there wasn't many things more uh, nail biting than certainly than that King of the Baggers final at Jersey in the rain. <laughs> you know, and <laughs> I know we could have, you know, I know we could have great Superbike finale there, too. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So I want to talk about a little bit about Super Hooligan from the point of view of specifically the Laguna Seca round that we had last year. And it was the fact that something that surprised me about that round that I'm sure you were aware about a lot, a lot sooner than I was. And it was the fact that we had a couple electric bikes there. And it seems like this electric bike situation is is a wave of the future. Are, what, to tip, can you tip your hat at all and say in the next coming few years, are we are we looking at a possible electric class in our series? Uh, there's there's been discussion around it. Um, so obviously with that, you know, the whole electric, you know, EV movement, we can't really rule anything out. I think what's what's uh, unique about having them race in the hooligans, it's one of the only, maybe the only, you know gas motor versus electric motor going head to head, you know, for, you know, in the same race. And I think, I think that's going to show us the evolution of electric bikes, probably in a more clear way than, you know, having 20 electric bikes lined up on a grid and, 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 and race each other. Um, so I think there's something very unique about the electric, electric bikes and the hooligans. Um, but like I said, the way that, you know, everything is evolving, it's, it, you know, we can't ignore the fact that electric bikes are, are becoming more and more popular, um, that someday there, you know, there may be a standalone electric class. Okay. I'm going to circle back again. I love that word now, whereas I guess it's two words. Sound like the dirt tracker circling back. <laughs> yeah. Circling back and hoping it's not raining. So you don't get to circle back at all. <laughs> okay. So look, a lot of these people. That, you know, like a lot of the fans or they might be racers, who knows, but a lot of the fans are like, um, there's less of this because of those goddamn baggers. And the baggers thing is either, from what I can tell, it's either a love hate, it's a love hate thing. And I think some people just kind of think it's cool to hate on it, even though they probably enjoy the hell out of watching it. But expanding the baggers, okay, yeah, it's track time, it's races or whatever, but I mean, that that doesn't necessarily take away from the other classes. And I always tell people, it's like, if, if you don't want to watch it, don't watch it, but we're not taking away something else so that you can watch it. And I kind of think that's an important point. And obviously the baggers is extremely popular and we'd be stupid not to expand it whenever we have the opportunity because people want to see it. The majority of people want to see it. Is that, is that always a touchy thing when you're, when you're trying to do this is the whole bagger thing. Well, I mean, part of the consideration for what's racing where, you know, it's it's what what did the fans want to see? Right. And you know, they're buying tickets to watch Superbike racing and bagger racing. And and although the other classes are great competition, 
Um, you know, I, I don't know if you just had a stock thousand weekend, people would, you know, you know, come in the thousands to watch stock thousands, uh, if you know what I mean. So, you know, the, you know, increasing an overall number of events for baggers from, you know, seven to what they had last year to 14, you know, really we added one more venue, um, but ultimately adding one more race is, uh, you know, what's probably half an hour of overall track time. So, um, you know, getting back to, you know, everybody, you know, making the effort to get to each racetrack to only race one time, not making sense, you know, this kind of followed along with that philosophy to race twice. And we, you know, the baggers have brought a lot of new fans. And I think for those new fans, part of the confusion was when they come out on a Saturday and the bagger race was Sunday, you know, they, they, they'd see them run around for qualifying for, you know, 20 minutes or 40 minutes or whatever. And then it's like, okay, what do we, what do we do? You know, we weren't coming on Sunday. So I think it'll, uh, I think it'll be better for new fans that are coming out and watching. They'll get to watch the baggers race twice and um, be more engaged with the overall atmosphere at our races. Um, you know, whether they're coming for one or two days, they'll, they'll get a good feel of the overall racing program. It'll be consistent from Saturday to Sunday. And um, yeah, so, you know, all that again was, is, is part of the consideration for the schedule. So Chuck, I, we're going to get ready to wrap up here, but I, I have an, another question for you, and it's a little bit of a broad one, and it's it's something that I'm kind of amazed about. We when we had Jan before, we talked a little bit about Twins Cup, but with the constant evolution of of motorcycles and how it affects our series or how our series affects the evolution of motorcycles, that's part of my question. So we we had we came out with Twins Cup, and lo and behold, suddenly you know Aprilia comes out with an RS 660, then Yamaha's got the R7, which was an evolution of the MT-07, and the class gets, is hugely popular. We've got seven rounds for them next year, 14 races, and that class has just been going nuts, and as many of our classes are. Another one is super sport. I mean, I, I was writing a few stories. Is this the death knell of the middleweight motorcycle, the 600 motorcycle? And lo and behold, our super sport generation has led to a a damn good Daytona 200 and a great season last year with, you know, a 955 up against the 750 against the 600. And I did a story earlier this week speculating that Yamaha might have an 890 and we'll have to see how that fits into the equation. But it seems like our classes dovetail very well with what the OEMs are doing or are the OEMs driving that? I don't think they are. I don't know if it's just coincidence, but how is it that all this stuff seems to mesh and work out really well? You must be pretty delighted about that, but is that a planned thing? I would like to think so, but I can't. <laughs> yeah, really. It's kind of like a planned thing when you say, was Ross Chastain watching Anthony Maziato ride the wall at Daytona? And that's what gave him the idea to do it at a NASCAR race, right? It just, <laughs> it just happened. <laughs> um, no, I think I think uh, you know we have a very good group of people that pay attention to uh, you know I think evolution within the motorcycle industry and you know the 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 Twins Cup you know I think it's well documented James Morse had a had one of these bikes in the back of his truck and and um, you know we got to talking to it and you know about it and um, you know yeah from the from the first race at Atlanta when we had like six or seven entries to would we have a barber last year, like 55? Um, yeah, it's, crazy. it's, uh, it, it's pretty incredible, but, um, 
and the super sport, you know, as much credit as we'd like to take for that, you know, um, we're really just following along with what the FIM uh, decided to do on, you know, to, to bolster the participation of the world championship. So, so some of it is, you know, uh, we do talk to the FIM guys quite a lot. Um, you know, Teague probably talks to, to Scott Smart over there a couple of times a week, but I think it's just, um, you know, keeping our ear to the ground and, and listening to people and, and um, you know, watching what, what bikes are developed by manufacturers. And we do get some feedback time to time from the manufacturers about what they do have in the pipeline. So I think, um, you know, we've been fortunate to be able to, to create this mix. And like, like I said, it's, it's created some, some, uh, some problems for us and, you know, that we have eight classes and all of them are popular and they're popular right, for right. participation and, you know, again, another thing to circle back for your term, uh, Paul, on, on deciding the schedule. I mean, you guys saw many places this year trying to run six, you know, seven, eight classes. The paddock was completely full. And, um, you know, I think by going to this method of, of controlling the amount of races per weekend, you know, eliminating, eliminating the classes, it's just going to take a little bit of pressure off of, of everybody um staff included um you know our, our staff when we have you know seven eight classes on a weekend you know are, are putting in 12 14 hour days and and it's uh, with no lunches no breaks so so i think overall this this philosophy this strategy is going to you know give everybody a little bit of breathing space and create a better show and let us to continue continue to develop our our program to be even better and better in the future yeah, you know, I said I was going to one question and wrap, but I want to I want to just touch on one thing you brought up about baggers, and I want to mention that as far as that development. So that whole thing, that whole concept, led to what Harley's done with developing um, parts, you know, internally through through their Scream and Eagle program, and obviously with two factory riders with Kyle Wyman and Travis, and you know, Indians done a lot of their own development, um, a lot of the aftermarket SNS cycle. I mean, they've you know, it's developed parts, people are buying parts. I know that when we've had fans and we do the Q&A and track walk, a lot of them are very interested. These these uh, cruiser riders and baggers riders are very interested in what we're doing there. It, it's created, it, it's helped the industry from that point of view too, um, domestically. So my question, and I think I've seen a lot of interest from across the pond. Have you gotten inquiries from, I don't know, uh, Stuart Higgs and BSB? Do other countries want to run baggers in in their in their series? Uh, we've had a few, had a few inquiries for sure. Um, you know, not only from from England but Italy, um, uh, Czech Republic. I mean, there's been a you know there's 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 been a few um, racing groups you know inquire about it. Um, but our you know as you can see you know this year we have 14 bagger races. Uh, Teague and and myself have worked a lot with the cooperation of both factories, you know, Harley Davidson Indian to, to try and create a new rules package that will bring more reliability, bring more accessibility to people that want to, you know, build and race baggers. And, um, you know, what we don't want, you know, that, that class three years ago, or even last year, you know, the amount of engine changes that the baggers uh, were doing was pretty significant. And obviously if we're doubling the amount of races, we can't do that. So, uh, um, both factories recognize that and, and um, so hopefully what you'll see next year is a lot less work for the people that are actually racing them and, and better competition 
And I think then, you know, once that is that good place is established and we can start looking at, um, you know, where they go from there. Um, you know, obviously doing an international series is quite a bit of a undertaking. So we just wanted to get a, get a handle on it, build a, build a good series for here to start with. And then like I said, we could look, look beyond if the opportunities come up. Well, I mean, this is a perfect example of Yankee ingenuity repeating itself. You know, you guys both, know and remember when superbike uh the superbike class was invented in the united states i mean we're the ones that developed it maybe people that aren't aware of that think that world superbike it was on a world level well it wasn't it was an american series that we started and, and spread around the world so who knows maybe someday there will be a world baggers uh super championship or something i don't know but um it's kind of cool that we we kind of create these things and they they proliferate around the around the globe so I guess we'll wrap here. Chuck, you were awesome to have on. Great to explain these things to not only Paul and I, but obviously there's a lot of questions by the fans, and I think you a lot, answered a lot of questions. And, you know, uh, huge uh, props to you on the amount of work that it takes to put that stuff together and figure out the logistics with the tracks, but also the travel and making sure all the teams are happy, the fans are happy. And I think we've got something to be very proud of this year, and some it's going to be some really fun racing. So. Again, thanks for being on with us, Chuck. We appreciate it. No, thanks for uh, giving me the opportunity to answer the questions and hopefully clear up some of the the reasonings by uh, the reason behind you know what we ultimately came out with. Um, I read every comment. I probably shouldn't. Um, no, you shouldn't. You know, I saw one. I saw one guy called me a moron this morning, but uh, you know, hopefully this will give him some uh, some background and in, into why that we're doing what we. You know that we ultimately came out with so uh we're trying to help the teams trying to keep a good show going and and trying to progress moto america and you know this is uh this is where we're at so hopefully the the fans will like it i just have one last question sean chuck, yeah. chuck do we get to keep our job for another week <laughs> i don't know let me listen to it as we play it back <laughs> all, right. <laughs> all right you guys uh have a good rest of your week a nice weekend and we'll obviously chat again soon all right catch you guys later thanks yeah.